Good morning. Um, it is always good to be together and worship. Um, now we're going to get into the word. We're going to talk about today uh, a little something that I think 2020 has uh, made a little bit more evident. Maybe it wasn't uh, as known before, but we are um, over the last 60 years, and I'm not saying that number because I remember 60 years ago because I don't. Um, but over the last 60 years, uh, we have become more and more of an isolated people. Um, air conditioning was one of the first things that ruined connection. Because if you lived in the South and you didn't have AC, you didn't stay in your house. You're out on your big front porch. I don't know if you've ridden by houses today. Not many of them have front porches because uh, they're not sitting there greeting their neighbors, saying hello to everybody. Um, garage doors or garages were another thing. Garage doors, you could pull right in and disappear into your house and never see one of your neighbors again. It just happens. And for those that remember the good old days, and uh, again, not the good old days of no AC, if you remember that, that's awesome. Uh, but the good old days of summer times where you, you didn't stay indoors. The only reason you would stay inside is because there was an illness that required you to stay there, that you couldn't walk or move or whatever. You would go out and play. And I, I remember, you know, the neighborhood friends, they, you know, there was just this connection. You would no more go without hanging out with these people. And I think our culture uh, is trending more and more to this isolation. And I don't have to remind you what kind of isolation you felt or others felt over the last year. It was there. I think for, for maybe the first time, it has become very evident how isolated we are, how needy we are for connection. I believe that's because it's in our DNA. Uh, you were created by a God that exists in community, Period. And that's in us. I, I think in our DNA, there is this longing and desire. And it's not just something that we should do. It's something that if it's not happening, we feel disconnected. And this connection um, is being faked by lots of things. Uh, social media gives you the illusion. I don't know how many, fr how many friends you have on Facebook. But um, how many of those friends did you physically speak to last week? I mean, I'm not talking about like texting. I'm not talking about you shared their page. I'm not talking about you high-fived or thumbed up or whatever. I'm talking about how many of those people did you reach out to? How many of those people did you connect to? The problem is, is that hole, that that isolation creates, we're going to try to fill with something. I don't have the statistics here, but the um, drugs and alcohol use in 2020 were skyrocketing. Why? Because we weren't connected. We were isolated, and in our isolation, we have to deal with all these things that we don't want to deal with. You know, whether it's video games or fake book, I mean Facebook, um, Netflix, even fitness. We can use all of these things to fill this thing that is missing in us. So where do you run for your fixes? Where do you go 
in desperation to get that need met. Today we're going to be in Mark 5. It's actually the same um, um, story as in Luke 8, which we went through, not that one specifically, a few weeks ago. I like the Mark version a little bit better because there's um, uh, a couple phrases that I really like in Mark 5. But we're going to look at today uh, a story uh, of a woman ending her isolation. And I'm just going to tell you, she experienced more separation and isolation than anyone in this room. Because you're here right now, connecting to someone. Even if you're sitting by yourself, you're in a room with other people, which she wasn't allowed to do. So my heart today, and where I feel God wants to deal with each of us, is what are you reaching out to? What is the one thing that if you could touch experience that would change you my fear my concern is that we're reaching out to the wrong things and isolation and desperation has a way of bringing those things to the surface let me just tell you i love knowing i'm going to preach something and then have to deal with it all week it's been a stressful week busy week going here and there i cut my finger um, right before this murder mystery small group that we had, uh, the person was not killed by a knife, although it looked like maybe I would have been the culprit. But it's easy when things happen, when stress comes for us to reach out to the wrong things, even if it's nothing, even if it's only anxiety, it's only fear. Like we're not even doing any of these things that in your mind, you're like, I can't do these things because they're bad. But we worry, we are anxious, we overthink these things instead of going to the place that remedies it. So let's pray. Jesus, in this room, me included at times, we're reaching out to the wrong things in the wrong moments. We're reaching out to things that should be you to fix our problems, to ease our pain. And this morning as we look at this encounter that this woman fought for, I pray that you would expose in us the things that we're reaching out to, the things that we're trying to feel, this thing that only you can satisfy. So speak through your word today. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Mark 5, um, verses 24 through 34. Um, what's leading into this, this is, this is a miracle in the middle of another miracle starts off with this synagogue ruler coming to Jesus right when he enters town, falling on his knees in desperation because his daughter is dying, his only child, a 12-year-old. And he's desperate. He has nothing left but to go to this new kid on the block. Sounded like an 80s band or 90s band, sorry. But to go to this 
preacher that's going around doing miraculous things, things that he's heard he is desperate. And from his hands and knees, and let me just tell you, the rulers of synagogues don't get on their hands and knees before other people. It's not a common practice. They don't just go, hey, how are you? This was desperate. And he asked Jesus to come and heal his daughter, and Jesus agrees, and they begin this journey to this original miracle. And in the middle of that miracle, this happens. Verse 24 says, and he went with him, talking about Jairus, and a great crowd followed him, thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. 12 years. And in our culture, we're thinking, oh man, that's, that's, that's bad. Like, that's, that's not normal. Like, I don't know a lot, <laughs> but that's not normal. Uh, but in our culture, it doesn't, it doesn't seem as bad. That seems bad. But let's, let's take this back to the culture that she's in currently. Uh, which I'm not going to read all this, but if you want to check it out later, Leviticus 15.25 um, basically writes out the law of what this woman would have to do. Let me simplify it for you. Uh, if you're having um, an issue of blood, regardless of it's your normal or it's like this, um, you're connect. You're un, you're unclean. If anyone touches you, if you touch anything, it becomes unclean. Period. If you sit down on this chair, that chair is unclean until it has been washed, purified. If you come in contact with another individual, they are unclean until they wash and it passes into the next day. Twelve years. She might as well have been a leper. For 12 years. You want to talk about isolation? I know last year was... 12 years. If she was married, um, no contact with her husband because he would become unclean anywhere she stayed, so she wouldn't stay in the house with everyone else. She'd be isolated. She'd be separated for 12 years. Verse 26, and had suffered, and who had suffered under much, much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She spent every cent that she had trying to remedy what was going on with her, and nothing fixed it. And besides not fixing it, she was getting worse. She was desperate. There was no more money to fix any issue that may be going on. There was no physician that she'd ever encountered that had brought her any hope of it changing. Period. She had tried under her own power and her own wisdom to fix the issue. Sound familiar? We do it all the time. Trying to remedy something that you know. I do it. Pastor this church or preach on Sundays. And there's times in my life that I am trying to fix the problems that I know that only God can fix. Because we're dumb. We are. Look. like I, There's no perfect smart people in this room. 
You may be smarter now, but we still make mistakes. We still make errors. We still do the wrong thing at time. And it may not be this horrible thing that you're like, well, it's not that bad. How are you responding? And stress and strain and isolation will bring what and how you respond to the surface. 27. She had heard reports about Jesus and had come behind him in the crowd to touch his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. Let me, let's just let's walk through this. Jesus is surrounded by people. Surrounded by a throng of people. And we're going to see in just a second, because Peter's going to get smart with him. Peter. And she's only heard reports, probably like Jairus, the um, the guy who's there to have his daughter healed. He's probably heard these things about him. He's not his disciple. She's not his disciple. She doesn't. She hasn't seen these things with her own eyes. But just because of the reports, she is going to risk public ridicule at the minimum to physical abuse for what she was doing. She didn't care. She was going to get... And let me tell you something else that she didn't hear about. There was no miracles recorded that we're aware of that if you touched his garment, you'll be healed. Right? So she doesn't even feel confident enough to come face to face with Jesus and say, like the synagogue ruler that's getting on his knees and begging for the healing, probably because she knows that if she was to tell everyone why she's there for the healing, they she'd be in trouble because she's not supposed to be near them. But in her mind, from what she had heard, she was like, if I could just get close enough to touch his garments. I mean, can you imagine 12 years of isolation? Most likely 12 years of no physical contact with anyone other than maybe the doctors. And she's pushing her way through the crowd. Talking about anxiety, skyrocketing. But she doesn't care because she's at her end. She cannot fix what's going on and she's going to get close enough. Verse 29 says, And immediately, so she touched the garment, And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed from her disease. Just from one touch to his garment. Period. In verse 30, And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power... Now we're not going to get into... I'm into a sovereign God, and Jesus knew what was going on. But that power left him, healed her. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garment? Throngs of people around him. Lots of people touching him. Maybe it's Luke that says it's Peter, and it says, 
And his disciples said to him, you see this crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? Everyone just touched you, Jesus. Everybody close enough. And I'm sure after this, miracle happens. (laughs) I bet Jesus didn't go anywhere that people weren't like, I want a million dollars. Lots of people are touching Jesus. And, And he could have. Listen to this. He could have let that healing go. And let her walk away and be healed. And be done. And not make a scene And not risk her being in trouble for what she did. He could have just let it happen. But he had a purpose in what was going to happen. Let me just tell you. People. Church. Heath. That's my name, by the way. God has a purpose for what's happening to you right now. God has a purpose with your struggle right now. And though you may be angry about why isn't he doing it a different way, God has a purpose in it. Verse 32. And he looked around to see who had done it. He knew. But the woman... Knowing what had happened to her came in fear. Yes, fear. Because this is a holy man. Probably every holy man she's ever had any encounter with has told her that she's impure and told her the rules. Get away. Don't come near anyone. And definitely don't touch me because if you touch me as a holy man that has spent his time making sure that he is cleansed, you're going to take that from him. She came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, can you imagine? Can you imagine all the hurt that she's experienced over 12 years, all the separation, all the family members that would have nothing to do with her because they don't want to mess up what's going on. The one that she now knows has the power to heal her because he just did, turned around and made eye contact with her and called her daughter. He could have just let her go. He's not interested, hear this, and I say this a lot, he's not interested in you just getting healed. He's not. Because if you get healed and don't encounter Jesus, what does it do? You, you're better for a minute, but here's, here's a scary reality, people. We're all dying. Right now, we're all one day closer than yesterday to our death. So even in that moment, though she's free of that, she's still going to die. And he tells her, your faith has made you well. He puts her healing on her. 
because she has done this very scary thing of approaching this holy man, this pure, and at this point, probably the whispers of potential Messiah. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Jesus ended her isolation. Jesus ends our isolation, even when we are isolated. It's crazy about this story. I don't know if she's still there when the synagogue ruler's um, house person comes to him and says, don't bother Jesus anymore because your daughter's dead. Maybe the dad for a minute is mad that this person has stolen these precious moments that would have potentially led to his daughter's healing. Maybe she now feels horrible that she's ruined someone else's life. And I love Jesus because he's afraid. And he says, don't fear, but believe. This is what God is asking for us every day. And let me just tell you, what I'm talking about here isn't if you're at that moment, of you're at your breaking point and you're ready to press through whatever you've got to press through to get to the hem of the garment of Jesus so that you can be healed. I'm not talking about an incident that happens once and then you walk your own way. I'm talking about connected to the source. That's what Jesus is looking for, longing for. Yes, he wants us healed, healthy, and and at some point is going to reestablish his kingdom. (laughs) At some point, he's going to eradicate death and fear and anxiety and sadness. But right now, he knows that in this world, we need to be connected to Him. So here's a couple of questions for you. And be honest, because they're inside of, you're going to answer them inside of your head. What is your desperation driving you to? What is the thing right now that instead of Jesus, you're believing, trusting, in it. What is that thing that you are, instead of Jesus, running to? If you talk to many alcoholics that are on the other side of their addiction, they'll bring clarity that alcohol never eliminated anything. Whatever that other thing is, On the other side of it, you're going to be in the same position, probably worse, because most other things other than Jesus take from us, not give to us. She spent 12 years looking for this fix. There's some of you in this room that are ready to give up right now, because Fill in the blank. 
Maybe it's been a year. Maybe it's been two years, 12 years. That could have been left out of the story. It could have been two years. It could have been three years. 12 years. She was trying to fix this thing. Sons and daughters, don't give up. And let me just tell you, it wasn't easy. The decision to pursue, the weaving her way through the people, waiting for someone that may know her, may recognize her, may call her out. And she pressed in until she got there. Could you imagine, even if it only took a minute or two minutes to get to that place of touching his garment, can you imagine how long it felt? Where are you giving up? Because you think you're not going to get there. You're not going to, at the other end of this, get the thing that you want. Don't give up just because nothing has worked so far. I believe here today, in this room, God could restore Redeem and heal. Here. Today. And if you've searched and you've tried all these other things and you're still left broken and lonely, what if today you in desperation, because I think desperation will drive us to truth. Desperation will drive us once we weed out all these other things that we figure out aren't going to help us to reach out. What if today, in this room, you were honest enough with what's going on inside of you that you press in until you get there? You press in until you reach that point that faith drives us to of being committed to getting to the place that God's called you to be. I'm going to invite our worship team up. I think in these last few minutes, the most powerful thing that's happened today can happen. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is stronger and smarter than me. That's not a hard belief for me. He is. He's here. Where two or three are gathered. He's, we're in his presence. And today, I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to press in. I'm going to ask that if you're aware of things that you're, <laughs> you're using to try to eliminate this hurt, ache, pain that you're experiencing, that you would confess them. Today, you would go, here's, here's, and maybe this is just internal. Maybe it's at prayer after service today that you're like, here's, here's this thing that I, I, I run to every time. Every time I'm hurting, every time I'm lonely, every time I'm whatever. Here, here's, here it is. And I need to confess it because I need freedom from it because that thing will Destroy us. Everything else that we search for, run after, 
that's not Jesus will always leave us longing. Her faith made her well. And I am not, hear this, uh, a name it and claim it, a faith healing in a sense of like if you just speak it, you can speak it into existence. Because there's too many things in the Bible that they had to press into. They couldn't just say it. She had to spend time pressing there. Twelve years of going everywhere else. And finally, she hears of Jesus. Maybe today you're hearing of this. Maybe it's just enough to push you close enough to go, Here I am. Don't let brokenness live. Where Jesus can bring wholeness. Let's pray. Jesus, as you sit beside the Father right now, interceding for the saints, current and future saints, Lord, you know the hurting and the longing and the isolation and the desperation that's in this room. You know that the pain that has been caused to them by others and the pain that has been caused to them by themselves, by their own decisions. You know all the doctors that they've gone to, just like this lady, all these things that they've run to to, to try to eliminate this thing that's going on in their life. And right now, Lord, I, I pray that you would press our hearts. Lord, I, I believe that in that moment, those things that she heard, I think what drove her to the hem of Jesus' garment was the Holy Spirit. The whisper that He can. It will happen. And Lord, as we sing, as we lift our voices to praise You, let us praise You from wholeness. Not because we have fixed ourselves, but because we have allowed you to fill us. Lord, we need your boldness. We need your word to solidify who we are. Lord, there's people in this room right now that their identity is being driven by others. And you want to look in their eyes and say, Son daughter. Lord, let our identity be driven by who we are in you. Not in our past. Not what we even think about ourselves. Lord, let us be yours. And let that be enough today. So Lord, in this room, for those, Lord, I pray that you would comfort those that are just hurting and in pain. Lord, I pray that you would bring healing today spiritually and physically. Lord, I pray that you would ignite a passion for you. Lord, I pray that you would do something in us so radical, so life-changing, that leaving here and sharing you and leading others to you would be just what we do. Because we know you, we trust you, we've seen it happen. Let it happen today. Do the miraculous. We pray these things in Jesus' name.